LinkedIn presents. But it's also really rewarding when you can take a shoestring budget and deliver that high end, you know, wow, they must have had a million dollars for that campaign and make the impact. And so once you figure out kind of the recipe for Um, the specific brand and their customers, then you can figure out what to do for them and what platform digitally makes the most sense because it's definitely not something where you're never gonna have the same ad dollars as bigger brands. And so what else should you do or should you start doing first? Welcome to Entrepreneur Struggle, where each week we talk to founders and freelancers about their journey, creating and scaling up their business. My name is Chris Colbert, and I'm the founder and CEO of the media company DCP Entertainment, as well as the video and podcast recording space, Podstream Studios Times Square. This season, we are part of the LinkedIn Podcast Academy, so make sure to check out our show notes for information about our weekly newsletter and live events. In this conversation, I'm talking to Katie Wiggy. Katie is the founder of Posh Artistry and Creative Beauty Collective a boutique marketing and branding consulting firm focused on supporting clean beauty brands. Katie's journey in the beauty world began with her own struggles to find confidence in her appearance and has now led her to supporting indie brands looking to make a difference for others who face similar challenges. We talk about how she was able to find that confidence for herself, how she finds and structures her team, how she manages her time, as well as the anxiety around being able to deliver for her clients. But we start with those early years that led to the creation of Creative Beauty Collective. So the beauty world really started for me at a young age because I had terrible acne, like grade four, really cystic, didn't want to go out. It affected your confidence, self-esteem, and that carried with me into college. And so I um, started seeing an esthetician and she really started to change my skin, unlike a dermatologist had. And what's an esthetician? So an esthetician is a skincare licensed skincare professional. And um, like your cosmetologist does your hair, your esthetician takes care of your skin. And this uh, Justine, I don't know where she is today in this world, but she really changed my skin in a meaningful way. And I was going to school for marketing at the time and decided, oh my gosh, I have to be in skincare. Like if I could help someone the way she's helped me, like what could be more rewarding? And so it was just the start of a really fun journey for me. Wonderful. Well, and so you were in the marketing world. I know from looking at your LinkedIn, you did a lot of sales and marketing. Like, you know, this was obviously a passion of yours. And then now mix that with the beauty. What then got you to the point of creating Creative Beauty Collective? So I had been um, in the treatment room working in spas and one day had a client come in and tell me um, about a product they found at a grocery store of all places. And that company was here in Colorado. And I reached out to them because I was tired of waxing and giving facials. And I had uh, changed as much acne in the world as I could at that point. And product development and marketing still really interests me. And so I went to work for a company for about 13 years and grew from the education side of their business into their product formulation side and eventually became the head of marketing. And it was a portfolio of brands, which gave me exposure to a lot of different mass markets, 
everything from Walmart, Target, Ulta to uh, grocery store type products with sun care and uh, high-end beauty as well. And through that experience, I learned a ton, but I also wanted to do a little bit more, especially with clean beauty brands female founders, and anyone in a minority space, because I recognize how many struggles there are when you don't have the same kind of budget and Mm -hmm. support or even staff to uh, compete with even the mid-level tier players in CPG. And so after 13 years, I just felt like I wanted more, I wanted to do more, and I wanted variety with clients and brands and take that expertise to the guys that maybe couldn't afford a CMO, but would want some strategy and a virtual marketing team to help leverage the kind of quality content and market research they might need to survive. So explain to me, what is a clean beauty brand? So clean beauty has really been redefined over the years. When I started oh my gosh, 15 plus years ago, it was natural skincare. And it truly was very granola, essential oils, raw sea salt, maybe coconut, um, shea butter. But today it's evolved with so much science where you can have really clean ingredients, even lab created that are impactful for the skin, but also that will go in and give you different results that maybe you couldn't achieve 15 years ago with natural ingredients. So clean beauty has become an industry all on its own. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, back to what you were saying in terms of like your introduction to the beauty world, you know, dealing with acne and and those cysts, like, oh my God, I used to get these cysts on my nose and and I I look like Rudolph. Like literally I just have this one big cyst right there. And and to your point, like I, I lost a lot of confidence and, and it was just like something that was always on my mind. And, I feel like that lack of confidence permeated itself later in life as well. Even when starting a company, it's, you know, feeling like maybe I'm not the right person or maybe I don't, you know, maybe I'm, yeah, maybe I don't fit into this space. Did that affect you at all as you started your business? Did that, you know, lack of confidence kind of bleed into your business life? You know, absolutely. I think, you know, blessing and curse, right? You learn how to overcome and you learn how to kind of deal and cope. But I think imposter syndrome is very real in so many different ways. And as, you know, a female in this space, gender bias is also a big thing. And so I worked a lot with private equity companies where maybe I was the only female in a room or at the table talking to the board. And, you know, you have to fight so much harder to even get into those conversations or to get a seat at that table. And I feel like, you know, starting your own business, you really have to kind of get over that lack of confidence and be like, where's that inner tiger? I can do this and be the person you want to be, maybe not the person you feel like you are in that moment, or at least that's what I tell myself. (laughs) Well, and also you're working with these indie brands, these, these, you know, minority led companies or, you know, women led companies, companies that you said don't may, may not have, I won't say won't, but may not have the same resources as maybe some of their competitors, you know, as working with them, especially around marketing and, you know, marketing obviously costs money in, in a lot of, you know, whether it be yeah. paying your services, but also in terms of maybe paid marketing, how do you work with your clients to be able to try to level set with them and what they're able to do with their budget while also giving them the confidence that they're going to be able to be successful in those spaces. Yeah, it's 
so tough. And I feel like that's the fun part of my job. I get to work with the founders, the entrepreneurs, and I recognize their struggles are typically different than running a business because they have product lines. Um, I have a client I work with. She has an amazing wellness spa in Chicago, but she also has a high-end skincare line she's selling and runs a DTC website. And, you know, she struggles with, you know, juggling all these different things. And uh, with me, I get to come in and provide her a level of strategy support and information that she wouldn't have access to otherwise being a smaller business that um, doesn't have the same budgets to go out and have a full marketing team and is more, you know, in the place where she needs to staff up for her masseuses and her yoga instructors and um, prioritizing all of those different functions for her business. And so for me, I really try to customize my approach with clients to learn where they're making money, where their strategy needs to be improved and what their realistic budget is so they can start to be profitable. That makes sense. And obviously you work with a team as well. When you first started, was it just you or did you, you, when you first started, you knew you needed some additional people to help you to see this through? So it's so funny how this started. I was exhausted after working, you know, pretty high executive position for so long. Um, But I always had, you know, a little side hustle. I always had a client or two that I was consulting with or um, supporting. And when I left, I had those clients and they're like, oh my gosh, you're free now. I'm going to refer you to so-and-so. And, And, you know, within three months, I was like, I'm working full time again. Like, (laughs) what am I doing? And I have a network of very talented um, marketers and they were also freelancing, consulting, and we just work so well synergistically as a team um, with our different expertise. And so we came together and that's why it's a collective, Um, but it's a team of talented experts that can go in and just provide that full marketing team at really a fraction of the price for some of these brands that are smaller. Well, and I know you said that, you know, you guys, you know, probably play off each other a bunch and, and, you know, bring different skills and experiences to the table. But at the end of the day, like, you know, sometimes you probably have differences of opinions in terms of what's going to be best for a brand in this particular moment. How do you decide amongst your team? Like, okay, this is the idea we're going to go with, especially it being your company. Like, do you just be like, all right, my idea wins or yeah, how do you manage those? I guess I won't call them conflicts, but maybe those differing of opinions. I think. It's about a conversation and trust me, my ideas are usually not the best ones uh, <laughs> from the beginning. And that's where, you know, it's like a great recipe, different ingredients, different philosophies, thought processes. Um, we all have such different backgrounds that we're able to bring in a different quality that delivers to the customer, but it is also about the client and not even about the client, the people. It's about the brand and defining that brand's position and brand's personality and helping them see that big picture of what they need to do to bring their brand alive in the marketplace. And I think that that's never just one person. It really is a collective experience between us and our clients. Is there ever any anxiousness of like, wow, like this has to hit like this is, you know, this client only has so much money they spent. And so we need to make sure that we deliver for them. Like, what is that, you know, mental hurdle of just kind of, you know, managing that sleepless nights, right? So as a (laughs) business owner, 
I feel like the one thing is when it's yours, you, you don't get to sleep as well. Your mind is constantly running. There's a new, you know, unlocked fears and worries that just um, are always there because you do want to deliver and give the best services to the client. So whether it's a photo shoot for a brand or we've relaunched websites entirely or launched new products, we want them to see um, all of that hard work that they've put in and that we've put in pay off and bring them the customers and the traction that they're looking for. Are there any times where it doesn't pay off and, and now you have to have a difficult conversation? Yeah, you know, there are times where 2020, I, that whole year was an apology tour. We had a trade <laughs> show with a celebrity, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars went into this event and it didn't happen. And, you know, I think that year taught everyone a lot, I'm sure. Um, but even now I'm very mindful of contingency plans and thinking about, you know, plan A, B and C if needed, because life can throw you some curveballs. And so that has helped tremendously where we don't have as many difficult conversations, but sometimes you don't hit the mark the same way your client wants you to. And when you do, you learn from it and you do better the next time. Is it, you know, is there a, a quick turnaround in terms of like your clients? Like, I'm sure there's some like loyal people, like especially some of those early folks that you were consulting with before starting the company, but is there a lot of turnover in clients and, and just maybe a fear of having enough to be able to support your entire staff and even your own lifestyle? You know, I feel like you, you can't live in that worrisome, like, what if, what if? Um, I'm a very big believer in being mindful and putting out the best intentions and then putting actions in place to achieve those goals, contingency plans, so that no one client is going to make or break us. Um, but at the same time, we really try to foster good relationships. The services we provide, it's interesting. We are like a full on marketing team month after month after month for some brands, but there are sometimes just little projects we do and we're on speed dial for people and they're like, we need a photo shoot, you know, in the next week, or uh, we have a product launch coming up. Can we hire you guys for six weeks? And so what I love is we know we're doing a great job when clients come back or send us a referral. And that's how we've grown our business and scaled to where we are today. All word of mouth. With that word of mouth, do you sometimes have to turn down clients because like maybe you have too much on your plate? You know, uh, we in the early phases, yes. And now that we're um, really in a good position, we've staffed up with the right team. And we also have other freelancers that we can call upon um, and bring into the collective depending on the project because we really do everything that you would consider a marketing team from graphic design and packaging to website management and email marketing. So having the right network of um, contractors that we like to work with that we trust to be in our collective helps us deliver and deliver kind of on the fly when those 911 calls come in. <laughs> well, and I know, you know, marketing very much is a creative space. And, you know, me being on the, the media side, like also a creative space, but it, especially as a business owner, you're balancing multiple parts of your brain. You're also managing a lot, like you said, a lot of sleepless nights as well. You know, yeah. how do you sometimes manage to stay creative when maybe that creative juice isn't flowing the way you want it to? I think it's really important that you take a step back sometimes 
And for me, get out in nature, go for a walk, um, disconnect, turn the phone off because sometimes it rings and rings and rings and you're in a meeting and you're getting text messages and it can just start to feel, you know, like it's draining you. And as a creative, you really have to nurture that space. And so when I'm um, at my wit's end and trying to maybe copyright or read packaging and it's just not clicking, I know that mentally I need to either, you know, take a quick walk, you know, go down and make some tea, just disconnect for that brief 20 minutes even. And it recharges my batteries and I can go back and then I feel like those creative moments start to flow again. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm I'm also big, you know, uh, I love to go out in nature to kind of reset myself. And, you know, I'd like to go on hikes, like now it's nice and warm out here in New York. So like, yeah, I'm you know going to be doing some you know weekend hikes, to just kind of recharge and kind of get away from my phone, It'll literally be in places where my phone won't work, because, yeah. you know, my hand yeah. will just go to email or go to slack or whatever the, the you know, mechanism is. And, you know, have you been thought about like, do I lock my phone up at night? Um, cause it just is so subconscious and I've gotten in a better habit of not having to answer every email, every Slack message, every text message, as soon as it comes in, like I can answer mm -hmm. it on my own time. Is that something that you've seen for yourself as well? Yes. Um, so tough because I, I basically have told friends and family, I apologize if I forget to text back quickly or call <laughs> mom, I'm sorry. Um, I do my best to prioritize my communication and time manage. I have to create these blocks in my schedule where I check email and then I close email and I go into maybe design work or looking at, you know, editing uh, different video files or websites. And I just have found multitasking doesn't deliver the best quality at the end of the day. And so time management has been a savior for me in creating those blocks where an hour of my time is dedicated to email. And if it's a red exclamation point or a 911, of course, I know I can get to it. It's there. Um, but that has helped tremendously in just delivering quality work consistently on time um, and managing expectations with communication. I totally yeah. get that. But I like what you're saying in terms of, you know, really setting up times for yourself to manage that communication, whether it be for the business side and also setting a time, you know, setting aside time for the personal stuff as well. Yeah, exactly. I know that there's some people I can hit up, you know, on my morning walk or on the way to the gym. And there's, you know, conversations with friends and family and the evenings I can have and on the weekends, but you know, it's, it's tough. And so it's just figuring out, you know, what priorities you have to respond to and who you can get back to and not piss off. <laughs> That's also a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, with, especially with marketing, like you're operating in a lot of a digital space now that is always evolving and like new technology, new platforms, and, you know, how do you decide like where to put your priorities in terms of like all these new tools? Because you can't do everything. And maybe you can, right. but, you know, it's difficult to do everything. It is. So for the clients, we really look at that brand personality, the white space where they can win. Is it at shelf with packaging? Is it online? If it's online, is it going to be social advertising? Is it Google advertising? Is it not advertising at all? And, you know, ambassador 
influencer marketing rewards programs, I think you have to look outside of just kind of the normal playbook and figure out what's going to work for them within their budget. It's always fun when we have big clients that are like, it's like monopoly money. They're like, here's our budget. We can go out and buy the world. (laughs) And you're like, okay, this is so fun. But it's also really rewarding when you can take a shoestring budget and deliver that high end, you know, wow, they must have had a million dollars for that campaign and make the impact. And so once you figure out kind of the recipe for um, the specific brand and their customers, then you can figure out what to do for them and what platform digitally makes the most sense. Because it's definitely not something where you're never going to have the same ad dollars as bigger brands. And so what else should you do or should you start doing first? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, that's something that we have to definitely do as well. And, and you know, we do a lot of consultation on the podcast side, and it's very similar to what you said. And, you know, speaking of delivering and impact, you know, what are some of those those big wins that are you know, maybe not even big, but what are some of the wins that you're experiencing these days for yourself, for your clients, for yourself personally? Yeah, what are, what are you excited about right now? Oh, so we, um, we've seen some of our smaller clients really achieve great growth within their email marketing campaigns. And it's as simple as really taking your strategy of what you're sending out DTC matches what your banner says on your website, what you're putting on your social media. And oftentimes people just aren't threading the needle. And so we've seen um, in some cases, high and double digit growth within our email segmentations and with dollar revenue year over year, triple digit growth. And that is huge for these smaller brands. Now they can take that money that they've made off of their email marketing and start to advertise to get in the new customer acquisition. And so I think it's always fun to see those baby steps start to happen so that, all right, you've crawled, you've walked, let's run. And when you're running with a brand that you've worked to build up, it's just so fun. And we're achieving that right now with a handful of clients and we just, we love it. Well, it must be so rewarding and, and rewarding, especially personally, as you were saying, like you got into this because of your own personal experiences. And now you're helping these brands reach people who are just like you wanting to, you know, be able to feel better about themselves, feel more confident and doing so in a, uh, in a safe and, and non-chemical kind of way. Yeah, they're great brands delivering quality products results. One of our lines is an acne scar product. So, you know, I could never give enough facials in the world for what this one product this brand has created is doing. And so it's just, it's fun. It's rewarding. And, you know, on the personal side for me, it is a confidence builder. It is okay. You can be afraid. You can feel like that imposter, but you can also get it done and you can grow, learn, and always become the person you want to be. Thank you, Katie Wiggy, for joining us on Entrepreneur Struggle. And thank you for listening. You can learn more about Katie's work by going to our show notes, which is also where you can get more information on how to stay up to date on everything Entrepreneur Struggle. We're doing monthly live events, so make sure you're following me on LinkedIn to learn more. Thank you to my producers, Heather Johnson, Brittany Temple, Quentin Hill, and Mike DuBose. Thank you for the support from the LinkedIn Podcast Academy. And until next episode, stay safe and healthy because the struggle is real.